Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Tableau on Tableau podcast with Wilson Poe and Charles Schaefer. I'm Charles Schaefer. Wilson is busy moving apartments in Brooklyn, so today I welcome special guest Andy Cotgrieve to the program. Andy is a visualization expert and a Tableau enthusiast, and we spent a half hour talking about Tableau's visual style, my internal visualization competition, and a project Andy is working on called Makeover Monday, designed to help people practice and learn more about data visualization. Coming later this week, a conversation with Wilson updating all of you on the VizWiz tournament bracket. I know you've all been wondering about it, how round one went, and if there are any Cinderella stories to root for as the tournament progresses. And there's two feet of snow in Brooklyn, so we have nothing better to do than record podcasts all week. Okay, let's start the show. I think, oh, I think if you're recording, I think the right thing to do is what I've done with two recorders. I'm going to clap. Well, somehow we need to synchronize Well, I can do that after the fact. All right, so, okay. like, as All long right. as the timing is the same, right, I can line it up in yep. my editing software later on. All right. Okay. Okay. So, um, thanks for listening. I'm here with Andy Cotgreave. Andy has worked at Tableau for about five years, right, Andy? Four and a half. Four and this a half. is my fifth year. And yep. you've been a product expert, and you've been a technical evangelist. And I think more than anything else, I've noticed that you've become sort of the voice of the Tableau community in a way, uh, with how you engage online and social media and how things like our Zen Master program have kind of grown around you. Uh, well, th- that's very flattering. But yeah, <laughs> I guess I, I, I just can't help being amazed with and engaging with our community. And I just find what people are doing is fascinating so i'm happy to be out there contributing and getting seeing what amazing things people are doing mm-hmm. i have so much to ask you but i, I kind of want to start with an open-ended question that might be might be bigger than we can tackle in this short conversation <laughs> but i want to ask it anyway um do you think there's a tableau style to visualization or communication in general uh well, that's a great question charles i I think some of it, is there a Tableau style? There's Almost before you get to the style, I think there's something about the process of exploration that Tableau enables, which then informs the style of communication mm. we see of published dashboards. So, you know, when you get a data set, what's the first thing you do is look at the number of records. Then you look at a timestamp, you know, what's happening over time. And you can iterate through views so quickly that it enables you to see... To, to ultimately share views that would not be possible were you constrained with more traditional tools. Right. You know, I think, right. So, for example, um, let's say with with yeah. For example, with time, you would just visu- traditionally you would just say, well, we'll just visualize time as a time series, right? And tools like Excel, they kind of push you down that line, right? If you, if you've got time series, they give you a timeline, and it's very very hard to do anything different. However. If all you do is a time series, then you are probably missing some really interesting insights in the data. So just because you can drag and drop and move pills anywhere on any shelf in Tableau, you can quickly go and see a cycle plot, or you can do a highlight table or a small multiple map, all showing different views of time in a slightly different way. And then what you end up with is 
a style of I guess that would inform a style which is a more varied chart type output that are more tailored to the particular messages that people are trying to communicate. Yeah, I I think yeah. that's really interesting, and I've noticed that as well. I mean, I've, I've, I'll probably mention this a few times just because it's on my mind. I've been reading The Functional Art by Alberto Cairo uh, recently, An and yep. it's a great book, and I, I think it's fascinating. And one of the things that he does a really good job of is outlining the, pro the thought process to go through when you're building an infographic or visualization. And uh -huh. he says things like... Um, you need to first think of what you're trying to communicate with your visualization. And then you need to think about what are the principles that you're going to use to highlight your story, right? And he kind of goes through four or five different steps that you need to think through before you can even create a picture. And I think mm -hmm. Tableau sort of behaves in this area where that can be part of that thought process. So instead of going through steps one through five and then creating your viz, you can just think about step one and then start yep. analyzing. And that affects what what you're seeing as your end result yeah absolutely and, he, and i mean even even those initial steps aren't linear because sometimes you need to look at the data to know what that story you're going to tell is right you know sometimes you are driven by the, the story will appear as you explore the data and sometimes you do know the story you need to communicate and it, and a, a, another well, there was a great tweet from matt francis a, uh, a year ago and it was just like a piece a piece of paper with a pencil on it and he said you know this is the best starting point for a dashboard and I, I kind of really like that principle that you know start with a blank sheet of paper mm -hmm. uh, but so but I was, I was with a client a couple of weeks ago and they were trying to reproduce something they'd drawn on a piece of paper in tablet right and and in some ways drawing a dashboard ahead of time on a piece of paper is a really clever idea because it's creative and you're not constrained by technology but then but then you can then you once you get into technology you can you don't then constrain yourself again because even if you could implement it pixel perfect the same as you sort of done it as a wireframe sometimes the the data then just looks really dull right so you've got to have the flexibility to as alberto says is think about the message you know always always be looking at it and going does this actually convey a message i was trying to convey right yeah and i think from the perspective of kind of the style question, I think that does, would you agree that that does have an impact on kind of what the end result is? I mean, it seems like if you're, if you're thinking about it from that perspective and you're kind of starting with this sort of exploratory process, your, um, your content that you produce will, will be different. And I think influenced by that process itself. Yeah, I think so. And I think that the, the better, you know, the, 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 like, you know, we, we can't sit here and say all output of Tableau desktop is good quality. You know, there are some absolute uh, shocking things. I was <laughs> looking at my first ever Tableau dashboards that I made eight years ago at the University of Oxford the other day. And, you know, I now look back at them. And I'm like, God, they were awful. <laughs> um, so and what's so it's two th I'm going to come back to that. What's changed in, in those eight years is that Tableau's enabled me, you know, and then reading amazing books like Alberto Cairo stuff is to bring in a design thinking philosophy to what you do as you do it right um so thinking about what's the message what you know what shapes of marks or what use of icons or what use of color is going to most effectively uh, communicate that message and over eight years i've like to think i've gotten a lot better right and and, and things are great um just just but i've, I've always I always want to say every time I mention about how you've got to bring all these things in is that the emotion I felt when I made that first dashboard in Oxford eight years ago 
was astonishing because yeah. it was the first time I'd ever been able to see my data. Uh, and so even though I look back on it and kind of laugh and think, oh, that was terrible. It's like, you've always got to remember people who are new to this journey are making dashboards like that and just feeling amazing. Yeah, I, I had the same experiment, experience. I think it was even around the same time. It was like Tableau 4 for me. And I mm -hmm. remember just sitting down and like taking an Excel spreadsheet that I worked with and being able to just create a simple bar chart immediately and yeah. change the dimension, right, on a, with mm -hmm. one click. And yeah. just that being amazing to me and being and feeling like it was magic. Yeah. Um, the, so the, and the thing that you mentioned with, um, with the way, you know, formatting and text and all these different things help tell your story, I think is really interesting because um, it's something that I think about a lot, especially now that I'm reading this book, but Tableau also has sort of the philosophy that we do a lot of that for you. Right. I think yeah. especially when you're getting started is like, oh, yeah, you can create a bar chart and it's we're going to give you sort of a best practices format for that. So you don't have to worry about all those different details. Mm -hmm. And I think that's good, especially for people who are new to just doing visualization or, or doing data analysis in general. But do you notice that sort of default style impacting the work of people who start working with Tableau? Yeah, I, I yeah. after after eight years of using and loving Tableau, you know, I still from that day I first downloaded it you know it's just an incredible product I'm very grateful for the opportunity it gave me to join the company but I am so bored of Arial font <laughs> uh, it's it's our default font and it's chosen for very sound reasons you know it, it is functionally valuable it works it's on serif so it's readable on a screen it's uh, also going to be on everybody's machine so if you publish that to server or public or share the workbook with colleagues they will also have aerial font so it's it's a very clean correct font but ah what you know once you've once you've seen so many dashboards you look at i look at aerial i'm like you know it's not when i see an aerial font on a what what is meant to, what is a dashboard or a chart that somebody's really trying to communicate something with and spent a lot of time working on i'm like well the lack of check because you didn't change your font it's not so much a choice it's more of a lack of mm. a choice uh and i take that line from a typography website where they were talking about times new roman you know the, the kind of the most common font right. uh, in word a few years ago and it's like times new roman is showing a lack of choice or a lack of thought or a lack of thinking about a choice and i think that to me is that to me is why i ended up getting really bored of Arial. um I mean, I use Century Gothic and Segoe UI now for most of my work. Maybe I'll get bored of that in another few years. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I just think it's, it's one of those things. Again, Alberta Caro talks about this on the Rad Presenters podcast. Again, mm -hmm. again, it's just font choice is a chance to develop your own personal brand. You know, and that's a legitimate thing to do. Over time, I'd like to think people could see a viz I made, not know it's by me, but maybe recognise the traits that go with an Andy Cockgreave fish, right? And, you know, maybe we could, I'm, I'm not sure what your look and feel is, Charles, but maybe you have one too. <laughs> yeah, and I, I do mean, see, I, I uh, like... uh, yeah, uh, sorry, and I do see that now in the community a lot. I, you can begin to see, work out who's done what by the design choices they're making. Yeah, and font I also like the metaphor that Cairo uses, to kind of, he compares it a lot to like architecture. Right. And he uses all the he uses quotes from Louis Sullivan. He talks about kind of it as a functional art and in the way that you're kind of building a structure 
mm-hmm. um, and I think that's that's a pretty good analogy considering the fact that it is in art and you notice traits and stylistic kind of choices that people make yeah. but it's yeah. also it also serves a function and so there's kind of depending on your taste there might be different um, correct ways to present information but yeah. um, the other thing that I was thinking about kind of as you were saying that with with kind of font choice and the variety being important to you is that I also I also read something recently by Robert Kusara. I don't know if you saw this article. It's called Presentation Oriented Visualization Techniques. Mm-hmm. And he's yep. talking about just the simple fact that something memorable has to be in in place if you're creating a presentation of data. So just the fact that you're that you're maybe creating a best practices line chart that fits all of kind of maybe Tufty's principles or something like that doesn't make it memorable. And so just something different has some different choice has to be in there to to make it impactful there was uh, a great example of that last year uh not from a tableau dashboard but the wall street journal produced um some visualizations about the impact of vaccinations on prevalence of disease across the u.s mm. and I, I i don't know if you remember it uh but uh, each it, it was basically a it looked like a really a mosaic of really tiny squares and basically time was going along the x-axis at the bottom and on the y-axis there was one row for each state in the u.s but these were really small squares and they were colored according to the number of outbreaks of serious diseases in those states so you'd end up from left to right you would have really dark intense squares and then the line was drawn where the vaccination was introduced and then suddenly all became light right and it was a really visually impactful way of showing it's like as soon as you start vaccinations, you pretty much wipe out these serious diseases. Yeah. It was brilliant, right? And then there was this inevitability of something that it, that a successful viz because it got shared, it went viral. Everybody, mm-hmm. you know, the data viz community was talking about it. The the real world was talking about it. So you're like, wow, that's clearly an amazing viz because everyone's celebrating the viz and the world is seeing it too. And then the inevitability happened. Somebody went, ah, the color scheme could have been better. Ah, I could have done this better. Right. And then eventually somebody said it should be it should have been done as a line chart because you're showing the change of things over time right now i so i i, I this is like cockgreaves law i want this to be you know the, the the more impactful and memorable a chart is the 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 shorter the period will be before somebody says oh it should have been a line chart. <laughs> right and 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 because as soon as somebody says that it's like they've missed the point because I see thousands of line charts every single day. You know, I read The Economist. They do line charts all the time. So if I want to actually have an impact and create something memorable, you've got to stay stay within the best practice boundaries, but do something different. And what they'd done in the Wall Street Journal was within the right realms of best practice, you know, by doing choose, making some of their design choices, you know, some things were not quite as obvious as others, but it was a perfectly valid chart and it was impactful in that. Yeah you know in, in that field is absolutely vital so yeah, it, yeah. the fact that it's unique i mean is is so important in, in that in that yeah. realm i'm gonna i'm gonna remember cockgreaves law hopefully we can mm. make that into a thing yeah uh, well i'm i'm waiting i'm I, I actually i'm waiting for the next time that i see that happen and then, and then <laughs> the, the drafted blog post will go live so uh, it's ready it's just waiting for somebody to say it should have been a line <laughs> Um, so here's where I'm going with this kind of style conversation is I, I'm fascinated by when someone picks up Tableau that maybe isn't a entrenched visualization expert. They're just someone that needs to do some analysis. 
I'm interested in what practices they pick up and what they maybe don't learn that are maybe also important kind of visual traits to learn. And I'm especially interested in that kind of from the lens of the VizWiz tournament that Wilson and I do. And you've been you've been kind enough to be involved in the tournament since we started it, both as a judge and a participant. And I'm curious about if you've noticed anything from that perspective of when new, when there are people that maybe have worked for Tableau for a couple of years or have just picked up data visualization recently, are there are there trends or, or themes or, or commonalities that you've noticed that they uh, seem to get really quickly, or maybe things that you'd expect people to get uh, about this? art or science that, that they don't get yeah i, I it, it's been brilliant it's been great judging imvis and you know i've done the pre-sales and the marketing brackets this year yeah. and you know we have we have parts so there are certain uh sets of employees who are like pros like the tableau public uh team you know their entries are very very high quality but then if if they weren't i would be worried and then there's you know all the other people whose whose day job isn't to be a tableau expert but who are who are doing things really, really interesting and really, really successfully. And what, what, the way I see that those people developing well is that even though they may not know, you know, the technical tricks behind uh, Tableau, they they begin to know enough about simple things like make the question a title, right? Mm -hmm. uh, customize the tooltips. Just orient things in a way that makes it the flow across the dashboard consistent you know and there's many ways you can improve a dashboard but it's like almost the most simplest is write a question in the title and make it make it obvious what that question is because then as soon as i see that in a dashboard from an entry in visways i know that means the person who's made that dashboard has actually uh thought about a question that the dashboard is trying to answer right? yeah and then he, you know and then even if you know there are flaws or things that aren't quite right it's like okay but they have realized that somebody's going to view this dashboard who doesn't know what the dashboard says and so the title will sort of sets the agenda right it sets the outline for how i should interpret the dashboard and so that's almost like the first thing well it's the first thing you see anyway it's the first thing you do is read the title right and yeah if it's a good one then that's a really good sign and i like seeing that um yeah. So, well, there you go. That's, yeah. That's no, example. I think that's I, I, I've noticed that as well. And uh, when I'm rating or judging the content, I will. I think I'm more likely to look favorably on something where I know the person has thought about the story, even if mm. there's mistakes they made in the the layout or or design of specific visualizations. I'm yeah. thinking of a couple in particular from this past round where the visualizations weren't great, but I just, it walked me through a story and, and I, mm. I, I was presented with a question at the end of the dashboard. I felt like I knew the, the answer to the question or at least what the person was trying to tell me. And that's really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, one of the things that I've noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this as well is, you know, it's kind of, it's like we said, it's pretty easy to build a simple visualization and have proper formatting and layout applied to it. But sometimes people don't necessarily understand how to lay out dashboards or multiple views for the most impactful story have mm. you noticed that that um have you noticed that and is, is it sort of um i guess i'm i'm curious about if you know you've seen the content over the last couple of years is there anything that's changed with kind of our corporate expertise when it comes to things like that god good question i i'm just trying to think of the ones i've the brackets i've seen i 
if sometimes I've, I, well, I can think of a couple of shockers where people have just put too much. You know, people, people at the start of the thing, oh, I've built these 12 great views. I'm going to put them all mm-hmm. onto a dashboard or into a 15-point story point. And then you're like, no, 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 step back. You, you know, try and hone down this. And I think uh, I'm, I'm just, there was a couple of entries that got through the first bracket um, this year. There was one about the Civil War in the US where... Mm-hmm. I can't remember who did it, but they'd come up with this great theme. It all looked sepia toned from the 19th century. And, you know, there wasn't that much going on on the dashboard, but there was just enough to actually tell a story, you know, impactfully. It was visually impactful on the on the first open. You could see the, the two sides and you could see who lost and when soldiers had died and where. And that. But then you could actually drill into it and see lots and lots of detail. And... I did see a lot of that kind of thing in Invis this year, uh, not Invis Viswis this year, mm-hmm. where people are just actually simplifying their views. Um, yeah. I think that's one message we always try and convey internally and externally is don't put all twelve views on a dashboard because <laughs> when I'm not going to read them, basically. Yeah, it's a great message for people to to get. Right. Mm. Um, no, and I I actually was really I've noticed this year specifically and it might have been true previous years too but i noticed this year that um there were the content that came out of the amia team was particularly good are you are you like coaching them are you spending time <laughs> with them are you are you i mean like anna's was amazing uh adrian charles had a great visualization i mean i, I think you saw some of those there and there there are other people that didn't you know like make it through the rounds that were yeah. also quite so, impressive. um i i well so, so those people that's some of the pre-sales team mm-hmm. uh, in EMEA and I, I would love to take the credit but actually you know some of the more senior pre-sales guys in that team now you know we're very lucky that, that those guys have developed some amazing skills too people like Saskia, Bethany, Luca mm-hmm. you know they all know this stuff and you know maybe, maybe back in the day I influenced them but they're certainly uh, cheerleading well that's what I'm curious about is if you're trying to build a visualization empire in Europe of some kind because now you've kidnapped uh, Andy Kriebel and taking yeah. him to London. Mm-hmm. Are you holding for ransom? Well, uh, I, I believe he's here of his own accord. Uh, <laughs> you know, in fact, maybe we'll, after a year or so, we'll pay you to, Americans to have him back. I don't know. Oh. Um, yeah, that's it's it's pretty amazing what's going on in the UK. You know, we we've got a strong internal team, but then we've got Andy Creevil. There are four other tableaus and masters in the UK, and we've got one in France. And you know, people like Chris Love and Matt Francis are doing incredible stuff with Tableau visualizations rob radburn as well and the, they've started off their viz clubs and yeah you've, you've I, even outsourced people like gilks to uh the New yeah York you area. know we've lent him to the u.s yeah. uh peter gilks who used to be of barclays bank uh carl olchin's now gone on to information lab um i i don't know if you've seen the latest viz club viz that uh they published this thing yesterday and they took all the data from a park run which is a public weekly run running parks across the uk and they've just come up with this beautiful piece of art um it's just it's a viz but it's not quite doesn't quite look like a viz and it's best practice but there's about fifty thousand data points on it so it just is this stunning piece of artwork uh you know and that and and that kind of design approach that comes from a visual analytics approach first is just oh it's brilliant <laughs> so anyway I'll, I'll send you the link to that and I'm yeah sure i'd like to see that it. in this post yeah, yeah um, it's amazing. but on that note i kind of want to talk about what you're working on with andy 
Creeble, which is your yep. Makeover Monday. Uh, what what is this? Um, I, I saw it this week, but what kind of inspired this and what's uh, so? Andy Creeble's been doing Makeover Mondays for about eighteen months, mm-hmm. and I wanted to get involved. I'll tell you what they are in a moment, but I got I wanted to get involved in something like this because I was using Tableau to do a you know internal uh, analytics thing in November last year. Uh, you know, my role's taken me away from desktop a little bit. And yeah. I, I realized I, I, I was forgetting how to use Tableau, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is <laughs> this is just not right." Um, so, Makeover Monday stepped in. What what Andy's been doing, what I'm now doing for the whole of 2016 is, he finds a viz that is not good. Uh, that's charitable. Some of them are absolutely terrible. Uh, finds it and then find, gets the data behind it. Sometimes manually transcribing it and shares that data on his blog on Sunday evening. And then the idea is, do take the data, take the same message, try and try and recreate the chart to, to portray the same message that mm-hmm. the original chart was intended to portray. And, you know, spend about an hour doing it, if you want to spend all day doing it, but if, you know, if you have that time in your life and <laughs> you're yeah. an employer who doesn't mind, that's fine. But see what you can do in an hour and then post it to Twitter uh, or Tableau Public. And, you know, we're, we're, we're tracking all the social networks to keep an eye on these things. And and it is it is just... We, so we've done three of them. And I am just bowled over, honestly, by it at the moment. Uh, I You know, personally, the, the three I've done, I've been really pleased with. But it's just... It's a brilliant little thing where you're like, oh, I'm going to play with this data and you have a little bit, a few minutes to try one idea or another idea and then you try and put this design layer on top of it and think, is this better? Is this portraying the intent of the original designer? Does this put that message across, right? right. So you're sitting there trying to work on it yourself and then you, you publish something. And then and then it's amazing. And then we found on Twitter, I, it's just incredible how many people have got involved. So I, there's a Pinterest board with all of them. Oh, I'll have to check that out because uh, I was looking yeah. on Twitter for the hashtag Makeover Monday and I found five or six. Yeah, so this week, uh, one, two, three, four, eight, there was about 35 different entries. Wow. I mean, entries, it's not a competition, but about 35 different people did it this week. And that is absolutely amazing. And, you know, we talk about Tableau style, Tableau culture, and visual analytics culture. And, and I'm just, you just take a step back and you're like, whoa, hang on. So first of all, you know, on one level, it, it's Tableau that has enabled this community of people to feel so engaged with data that they will do this. That that is incredible. Yeah. Um. You know, and over time, you know, we've had some people from SAP get involved. Uh, some other graphics. Some somebody for um, Juice Analytics, Zach, Zach Gemini did used a different tool. You know, and it's just like, wow, how can we just grow this thing so that people are just having this analytical conversation which brings in design and message and data and purpose and then and then inspire all these people to do that and then bring it into their own businesses and be like look that static dashboard that hasn't changed for six months that's just a pile of crap let's just play with data and see what new things we can share in our company yeah i mean this (sighs) is this is what got me thinking about the tableau style question kind of at the beginning Mm. was i was curious First, I was curious when I when I saw the post that you and Andy made earlier this week when I when I started kind of working on my viz if if everyone's uh, viz would be the same 
right? Like you and you and Andy both built something with a slope chart for this week, which, you know, but but the approach was pretty different. And then when I was looking at other things, I noticed a lot of people took that approach. And the the viz I built was a little different, but I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think it, that made me wonder if you know, like our community has certain approaches to things that are are going to influence the uh, the style or or the, the the output, right? And so, I mean, has anything surprised you about how you and Andy differ in your approach to these sort of makeovers? Yeah, I think, well, Andy and I, so there's a page on Andy's site which has both of our entries each week next to each other. So we're gonna, it's, it's going to be really interesting seeing that over the year. I think Andy at the moment is doing more of a two or three panel dashboard approach, whereas I'm trying to right. build just a single chart. Uh, and I confess, I'm doing that partly as a way of saving time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, I, but that, but but again, you can see, you know, he has his font choices. I I noticed his alignment is consistent, and my alignment styles are consistent. Annotations, we're looking consistent. So I think between us, we take very different approaches. I try and go very very simple, and he tries to build a few views. But what's amazing is the variety of different views the community are producing. So, you know, I have 35 from this week. There's a bunch of slope charts. The the data really supported a slope chart. But then some people have come up with some really clever ideas, like it, bar in bar charts, uh, putting the data on a scatter plot. And you'd have to go and look at this week's, which was all about are people bored with technology. But the scatter plot approach is a really clever idea for, for representing the data. And and it's just like people having a go. Yeah. And and there's lots of beginners doing it as well. Uh, I've noticed on Twitter lots of people saying, "Oh, don't don't be harsh. This is my first one." It's <laughs> like I'm not going to be harsh. You are, you know, you're exposing yourself to the world of Twitter by doing it. But it's exactly what we want people to do. You know, it doesn't have to be a beautiful, a, a technically amazing thing. It's just getting you thinking about data. Yeah. No, I think it's I yeah. think it's a great exercise and it's very informal and easy to get involved with. So if people are listening to this or if they're involved in our internal VizWiz tournament and they want some more practice or if they're, you know, not employees of Tableau and they want to get a chance to explore data, you don't even have to use Tableau, like you said, you know, if there's something else you're com- you're comfortable with and it allows you to just look think about the data. I think that's that's our goal is to get everyone yeah. kind of just literate and thinking about these concepts in a new way. Mm-hmm. Uh the other thing I, I found myself thinking about, and then I know you have to go pretty soon, but um, as as you're creating a viz, I, I guess c- coming back to the Cairo thing that I've been reading about, he doesn't really think about things in from the perspective of interactivity since he's a print journalist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I've noticed Tableau, we, we tend to kind of highlight that as an important thing. Are you thinking yep. about in- interactivity a lot when you're creating visualizations like this? I uh... Personally, I am not so much thinking about interactivity in the ones I'm doing. I'm generally trying to do something that's static. And again, I'll confess, because if we give ourselves about an hour's amount of time, it's one chunk of thing not to have to deal with. Um, It, you know, that in some ways that can shoot yourself in the foot because interactivity allows deeper contextual information to be added to a simple viz as well Um, yeah wilson and i found ourselves talking about this last week when we did our last recording because um if you're thinking about again that concept of like the difference between an analytic view and a presentation oriented view i think the Mm -hmm. presentation ones are more static kind of the concept the concept at least is that they're more static and the analytic ones are more of kind of a conversation or or an exploration but i think interactivity is this opportunity to kind of 
find a middle ground between those things and make yeah. visual content both exploratory and also presentation oriented. But yeah. I've noticed that that's not. I, I, when I when I was doing the makeover Monday thing from this week, I was also thinking about it from the perspective of a static picture. You know, yeah. how can I make the how can I tell the best story in a static yeah. environment? So, I, just curious about that. Yeah, I think the, one of the new features we previewed at our Tableau conference last year was the Viz's Inside Tooltips, mm -hmm. and that's going to be amazing. Yeah, because that will allow you to produce something that is essentially as beautifully and gorgeous it's beautiful and gorgeous as just a single static chart but then you know you just click on a mark and you get a whole new contextual bit of depth do you take any credit for that was it were you the first <laughs> one to do bar charts and tool tips well i did do the bar chart and tool tip hack several years ago the idea came to me in a shower and <laughs> who knows maybe i did add the inspiration for that uh, i heard it was a hackathon project around that time yeah. as well the the marks plus plus thing so yeah I don't know if it, you can it's, take 100 percent credit but i think it I, is I you know so. i've seen yeah. a lot of views that you've created that yeah. have that concept in them, which is <laughs> yeah. pretty it's pretty powerful yeah um, that was fun to do. anyway i i think um we we should probably wrap up uh, in terms of time here but um but i did i did want to finish with that makeover monday thing and say you know yeah. this is a great chance for everyone to get involved and, and learn and see i for me it was interesting to see how my ideas compared to yours because i kind of made my own viz and then i looked and saw what what you and andy had created and yeah I really that's respect important, what i think both of yeah. you guys do so it was very educational for me yeah yeah definitely try and do it yeah i definitely invite everybody to do it just follow the makeover monday hashtag mm -hmm. start looking for it on sunday evening and try not to look at what other people did until you've done yours okay because then, then you're doing it pure all well, right andy cockreef thank you so much for joining me Thank you, that was fantastic. All right. So that was my interview with Andy Cotgreave. Interesting guy, right? A lot of interesting things to say. He's really uh, always thinking about visualization and has uh, great stuff on his blog at gravyanecdote.com. I'm not going to spell that, but it's an acronym of Andy Cotgreave, which is kind of clever. Also, if you want to learn more about the Makeover Monday stuff, you can go on Twitter and put in hashtag Makeover Monday, or you can go to Andy Kreeble's blog. So two Andys, Andy Cotgreave, Andy Kreeble. Andy Kreeble's blog is vizwiz.blogspot.com. That's V-I-Z-W-I-Z dot blogspot.com. Check it out. Thanks for listening. More to come this week. Stay tuned. Thanks again.